We're going to continue in our series on Healthy Church, and I've asked Penny to share with you this morning. All right. <laughs> that does help us. But, you know, you ought to try coming up here. You know? <laughs> it really does help. Um, you know, before I start, I, I felt like the Holy Spirit was just downloading some things really powerfully in me uh, during worship. And, and there's a few of you that God has a word for, and I need to give it. I, I felt like I was going to give it at the end, but the Lord said, no, now. And right back there in this little section right there, Mark Meyer, the Lord has something for you. I, um, it's really important that you buy into the 40 days of prayer and fasting. God has, I'll tell you what I saw. I saw Jesus walk up to you, and he handed you a beautifully wrapped box. And you opened it, and there was a gift in it. And he said that he has some things to give you over the next 40 days. It's going to be really special. And so I just want to encourage you to press into that. God has that for you. And then it was really interesting, right in this little section, right in front of you is Terry. And I felt like God said that he is so pleased with you. He, he has seen your faithfulness. And sometimes you haven't felt faithful, but the Lord wants you to know he sees you as a faithful man of God. And along with that, he loves your worship. He lo it, it, gives it blesses his heart. It blesses the heart of God when you worship. And so he wanted you to know that. And then it was like there was a woman over here, um, right there in the green shirt, the muted green. It, it was similar to that. He loves your worship. It he said, I, that blesses my heart the way she worships me. And he, he said that he has a ministry for you in uh, intercession. Like you're called, you know who the, uh, there's a character in the Bible, Anna, in Luke 2, and read that, read that. He's got a, he's got a ministry of intercession for you, to, to, and she recognized the Christ child. No one else did, but, but she did. And, and, and worship, he loves your worship, he loves your heart, but he's got a ministry of intercession for you. So press into that, press into that. God's going to use that in the church. And one other thing, right in this section over here, God was just like boom, boom, boom. But Merle and Bonita, um, I saw a door. It was like, you know, a, those sliding doors like at Myers when they, the electric doors that, well, I saw a door right in front of you guys, and it was barely open, and the Lord's opening that door. And, but as you, as you begin to walk through it, that door is going to open wider and wider and wider. And, I think it has something to do for your retirement years. It's going to be, you know, a lot of people are used powerfully in their youth. You're, it's going to be the opposite with you guys. You haven't even seen the ministry God has for you guys. God has a ministry for you guys. And I think it has something to do even with this work you're doing with China and, and other countries. It's, it's really, it's much broader than what you see right now. But that you just barely have the door open now and just keep pressing into what you're doing. But that door is going to widen. So press into that. Okay? All right. 
bless you guys. Well, we need to get, the Lord just said I, he wasn't going to let me move on. Sometimes God does that. He'll just speak about an individual. And so be open to that. That's the way God speaks sometimes. It's kind of interesting the way he did it too. There's a story behind that. <laughs> but we're, today we're talking about the healthy church. You know, we've been talking about the, in this series on the healthy church over the last several weeks. And last week, Michael talked about worship. You know, we all can grow from these talks, even if it's things that you've heard before. We never, ever get to a place where we don't need to be challenged and encouraged, right? We forget. We forget. And with worship, we forget about worship. And so that's important. There was a storm last weekend. A lot of you weren't able to make it. Make sure you pick up the CD or listen to it online or the other ones that you've missed. Be challenged. Let God continue to challenge you. But this week, we're going to talk about prayer and, um, you know, just that value that the Bible talks about and that we've embraced. We've embraced that value. And we're going to talk a little bit about fasting. And we thought it would be a good week to talk about that because we're entering into our 40 days of prayer and fasting. Okay? We're entering into that. And so we thought, well, you know, it'd be a good weekend to talk a little bit about prayer and fasting. I mean, we could do a whole series on this, so we're going to talk just a little bit about it to encourage you. I have a confession to make, though, about prayer and fasting. I'm not very good at it. I'm not very good at it at all. In fact, um, when I was growing up in a traditional church, I remember feeling very intimidated uh, around all these adults that could pray these long, eloquent prayers. I mean, do you, have you ever been around those people? You know, those people that can pray these long, eloquent prayers, and you don't even know half the time what they're talking about. Well, that's the way I felt as a little girl, and I remember thinking, I could never live up to that. And so I just kind of stayed away, and I thought, well, I'm going to pray privately. I'm going to pray on my own. And so I did, and I was even worse at that. <laughs> I was worse. I have a very active mind. Anybody can relate to that? Where your mind, you know, you start, you sit down to pray, and all of a sudden you're thinking, I need to go get my oil changed. Oh, I need to go to the grocery store. And, and all these things are going, you know, well, that happens to me a lot. And as I've pressed in, though, over the years, I've grown. I've grown in this area, but I'm not naturally good at it. I've had to press in, press in, and learn to pray. Uh, in fact, about five or six years ago, I took a course uh, to become a spiritual director. And in this course, I had to go down to Cincinnati. I was trained by a man named Dave Nixon, who's a, a vineyard pastor. But he uh, taught us in this course all kinds of different types of prayer to stretch us in this area of prayer. And one of the um, types of prayer that he taught us was a new kind of prayer that he had learned, but it's centuries old. People have done it for a long time, but it's where you're completely silent, totally silent. You don't say a word. You don't come with an agenda. You just invite the triune present, the, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You just invite his presence to come in 
and you sit in his presence and just wait for him and just focus on him. So he said, we're going to try this. And so he said, but let me just tell you, don't feel bad if you uh, think about other things. You know, just bring your mind back to the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he told this story about the first time he had tried this. He said that um, this cartoon that he had seen as a child kept coming into his mind of a chimpanzee with a party hat on and a ukulele, and he's dancing all around the room. Well, he said that kept happening, and he said every time I would do it, but eventually it got better. Well, guess what happened to me? That chimpanzee <laughs> visited me forever, and he still visits me, visits me when I sit down to pray. I sit down, and I think, I am going to pray, and I'm going to do that kind of prayer, and I see the chimpanzee. So know that I can relate to you if you struggle with this. But let me just encourage you. You do get better at it if you keep pressing in. Now, how many of you here, and don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand, but if you, is there anybody here that just feels like a real pro at prayer? There may be one <laughs> or two people that feel like, oh, God, I can't even relate to what she's saying. The rest of us struggle with it, right? Right? I mean, I bet there's a lot of you here. Thank you for that, amen. I bet there's a lot of you here that feel like I felt growing up that, oh, I can't measure up to the experts. I cannot measure up to those people. So I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. You know, one of the things that I learned in that course was that God is pleased when we just come to him, when we just try. Even if our mind wanders, he is pleased. He knows our weaknesses. He knows how human we are. And so he's pleased when we just come to him and, and we're trying and we're pressing into him. There's a quote. No one knows who said it, but it goes like this. Pray as you can not as you can't. Pray as you can, not as you can't. In other words, don't focus on your failures. Just begin to say, well, I can do this much, and do that. Press into what you can do, and let me tell you, you will get better. Go with an open heart, and ask God to expand your heart. Do what you can do, and you will get better better at it. It's not saying that you just, you know, don't try to do, you don't try to expand yourself in prayer. It's not saying that at all. It's saying focus on what you can do and then leave the rest up to God. Don't focus on your failures. Just keep pressing into what you can do. Okay, so today we're going to talk about prayer. Um, basically, prayer is just simply communion with God, Com communication with him. That's all it is. It's a two-way communication that we have with God, and we're going to unpack that. So turn in your Bibles. We're going to look at a couple of little parables. Uh, Jesus taught on prayer. He wants us to understand how to pray. So turn in your Bibles to Luke 11. If you don't have a Bible, pick one up on the stage and on the sound booth. And I'm going to pray first, though. Let's pray and invite the Lord to be with us. Lord, we thank you for your presence that's here today. And Lord, I pray that you would come and empower me, strengthen me, Lord. 
Come, Holy Spirit, put power on the reading of your word in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, in Luke 11, there's this section in Luke where he talks a lot about prayer. And he's talking a lot, of, he's giving different parables. And so we're going to look at a couple of them today. Okay, so in verse 5, chapter 11, Jesus is speaking and it says, Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, Though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Okay, now let's talk about that one for a minute. We're going to keep going back and forth to two parables, so keep your finger in that one. First of all, I love how God, he's the father, with his little children snuggled up around him. In those days, they had just one sleeping room. And so just I love that God portrays himself as this loving father with his little children sleeping around them. Uh, but one of the things you have to understand from this parable is that the hospitality customs were different than ours. See, people, it was very common for a traveler to come, someone that knew you, come and knock at your door at night or anytime, basically, because they traveled by foot. And so whenever they made it to your city, they would come and knock at your door, and usually they only ate one meal a day. So this guy is hungry when he comes to his door. This is a need. This is not just, oh, I want to serve dessert to my friend, you know. This is a real need that this traveler has. And so this neighbor, this, this guy, the friend, is, you know, he knows he, it's a real need. And they still do this to this, uh, to this very day. Hospitality is huge there. I've been to some of these countries. You don't go to a person's house and they don't serve you something to eat. And, and sometimes it's really awkward because you're not even hungry, you know, but they, they'll be searching for something to, to feed you because it's expected that you feed someone. But this, this particular story, it is a real need. Now, I think it's no accident that Jesus calls this guy, this neighbor, a friend. He calls him a friend. And in the Greek, the word friend is phylos, which means beloved or dear, friendly companion. So this is a guy that he's got a really close friendship with, okay? This father, he's got a close friendship with this guy, which is so important because first and foremost, if you want to have a good prayer life or grow in your prayer life, you have to embrace the fact that God sees you as his friend. And he desires for you to have a friendship with him. Listen to what Jesus said in John 15, 15. He said, no longer do I call you slaves. For the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things I have heard from my father. 
I have made known to you. He calls us friends. I mean, the God of the universe calls us friends. I mean, when you think about that, it's really amazing. It's really amazing that he doesn't call us slaves. He calls us friends. And think about what friends do. Friends talk a lot, don't they? And it's not just one way. It's not just one way. You communicate with each other. You know, many times, you know, you, you share your heart. You share your secrets. You share things that are, that are bothering you. You hang out together. You do activities together. You uh, help each other. You help each other. You serve each other. You know, um, just this week, uh, Don Addison uh, had surgery on her. She lives alone, and she had surgery on her wrist. And Lou Ann Puckett, her friend, went over and spent the night with her and just stayed with her. That's what friends do. There's a close, close relationship there. And that's what God is talking about with us. He's saying he wants to be friends with you and with me, which is absolutely mind-boggling when you think about it. See, so often when we talk about prayer, what we think about is almost like a genie or a Santa Claus. You know, when little kids go and they ask Santa for what they want. We treat God that way. You know, a child, when they go to Santa Claus, they're not expecting to have a relationship with Santa Claus. They want that toy. You know, and they go to him and they share with him what they want. And they leave. They don't serve him. They don't hang out. They don't do anything together. They, they leave. You know, and many times we treat God that way. I mean, that's not a friendship at all. Oftentimes, you know, we come to God with our prayer list and I need this and I need that. And then we end it and we move on. That's not prayer. That's not a two-way communication at all. Look, you know, here in John 15, he said, All things I've heard from my Father I have made known to you. See, he wants to... It's amazing to think that Jesus desires to share kingdom insights with you from the Father. I mean, when was the last time that you came to him and said, Lord, share with me some of your kingdom insights? You know, see, when we come to him in prayer, there is a kingdom aspect to it where, where we're... Our hearts, our lives are fashioned to his purposes as we spend time with him, interacting, communing with him. And that's what prayer is all about. So he desires to have a two-way relationship with us. Okay, now let's move on here. The next, um, the next uh, value in prayer is persistence. Flip over in your Bible just a few pages to Luke 18. Keep your finger in Luke 11 because we're going to go back to it. But flip over to Luke 18. And let's look at this one. It's similar but different. Luke 18 says, Then Jesus, verse 1, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. That's a verse to underline. Underline that verse. He told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, 
In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust says, unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Okay, what Jesus is doing by this parable, he's basically doing the opposite of what he did with the last parable. He's contrasting the Father in heaven with this, this harsh, cold, uncaring judge. He's basically saying, I'm not like that guy, but I want you to be persistent, persistent. You know, years ago, when um, we still lived down in Columbus, Danny was on a mission trip, and I was home with the kids. Our uh, JT was in middle school, and this one particular night, in the middle of the night, I mean, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm asleep, and I hear this knock on the door, and it just keeps going on, knocking, knocking, knocking on our door. And I'm kind of half asleep and half awake, dreaming about it. Well, it gets louder and louder and louder. And finally, I just wake up with a start, and I realize someone really is at, at the door. And I run to the window, and I look down, and I can see JT's friend. He's in middle school, and I can see his friend down below knocking at the door. And, of course, I'm feeling irritated. I'm thinking, what is this kid doing in the middle of the night knocking on our door? And so I stumble down the stairs. He's knocking and knocking the whole time. I open the door. Well, it turns out he was in trouble. I mean, he needed help. This kid needed help. And so we, we you know, brought him in and we took care of the need. But you see, persistence paid off paid off with this boy. You know, if he would have just knocked once, I don't think I would have even heard him. I would have thought I was dreaming and gone back to sleep. But he kept knocking. He knocked and knocked and knocked. And because of that, I got up and I came downstairs and we were able to help help this young man. Well, in this parable, it's the same concept. This, this widow, she's been unjustly treated and she needs justice. Have you ever been in that situation where you needed justice? You needed God to move. She needs God to move and bring justice. So she's knocking. She's coming to this judge over and over again. And it seems that persistence pays off. It's really clear from this, from this uh, uh, parable that Jesus is saying, I want you to be persistent. Don't just pray once. Come to me over and over again. You know, who here needs justice? Who here needs something? You know, sometimes you have, you're in a situation where maybe a child 
is being mistreated by someone, a school teacher or whatever, or maybe you're, you're being mistreated by a, you know, uh, your boss or an ex-spouse or, or a neighbor or whatever, and you need God to move on your behalf. Well, he's saying, I want you to come to me over and over. Don't give up. Keep coming to me. It's a persistence is a huge part of prayer. And we don't know exactly why. You know, see, some of us were taught not to do that. We were taught to pray once and move on. And just, that's faith. Now, that's not what the scriptures say. The scriptures don't say that at all. The scriptures say, keep on. Keep coming to God. You know, I'm not sure exactly why he set it up this way. But maybe that relationship thing has something to do with it. You know, I found that when I persistently seek God over something, I feel so much closer to him when the answer finally comes. I feel like I've grown in my friendship with him. I've grown in my trust with him. And let me just say that God doesn't always answer the way we want, does he? You know, and sometimes he doesn't seem to answer at all. You know, but he does. He always does. It may not be the way we want. And someday when we get to heaven, it's all going to be clear. It's all going to be clear what he was doing. But he calls us to be persistent, to be persistent in our prayer, to come to him as a friend, but be persistent over and over again. That's why we want everyone to enter into this 40 days of prayer and fasting. You know, we've got the booklets on our way out. Make sure that you pick one up and, and get involved in this. Think about praying for something for 40 days straight. There's a place in the booklet where you can actually write down some things and, and write down some things that you want to pray for for 40 days straight. And not only that, there's, there's a place in there where you think about what you're going to give up, what you're going to fast. The Bible talks a lot about fasting. Again, we don't totally understand it, but we're called. But basically what fasting is, is giving up something. It, uh, oftentimes it's food. It can be anything, though. You know, sometimes you're, you can't give up food. It could be giving up um, TV or giving up, you know, uh, shopping or games on the internet or whatever, it could, coffee, you know. I mean, I've talked to people who've given up all kinds of things during the 40 days of prayer and fasting or maybe one meal a day or chocolate or whatever. But every time that you feel that desire to go for that thing that you gave up, you pray. You pray for those things that God has put on your heart. And so think about what God can do through us during the next 40 days if we're all praying together. We've given you a Bible study to help you in your packet. And also we're going to send out daily prayer requests. Um, and so make sure that you get involved, involved in that. There's a book that I want to recommend. I was hoping it would be in this weekend, but it's going to be in by next weekend. It'll be out on the book cart, but it's called Hungry by Rick Evans. He's a good friend of ours, but it's all about prayer and fasting. If this is new for you, pick up that book next weekend. It'll be out on the book cart. But when we pray and fast together, there's all kinds of things that God does in our heart and in our life. He can move 
I've seen God just move powerfully through prayer and fasting. Number one, he gives us more of a kingdom perspective. When we, when we pray and fast, it's like all of a sudden you start seeing things in the kingdom realm that you didn't see before. Number two, oftentimes, and this is the one that we don't like so much, but we are oftentimes praying for other people and that God would change other people, and then he'll come to us and show us our sin, show us where we need to change, okay? And so, but it's good. It's good. We don't like to see our sin, do we? You know, but it's so good when you do and you realize, oh, I need to change in that area. And then God can deal with that. The third area, many times, he'll give you new vision for how God wants to use you as you're praying and fasting and seeking his face you know oftentimes it'll be oh okay yeah that's what I need to do things will be clear during that time and then the fourth reason did you know that when we pray and fast demonic strongholds are broken sometimes we have strongholds in our life maybe an, uh, an addiction or a thought pattern or or maybe a sin uh, maybe we get angry really easily and can't control it. Whatever. God many times will break the power of that in your life. And we didn't even realize there was a demonic uh, strength, behind, demonic power behind that. He'll break that through prayer and fasting. Okay, so get involved in that. Pick up the packet on your way out. Okay, now have your finger in Luke 11 flip over back to Luke 11 and let's talk about how another way that God desires us to pray when we come to him he desires for us to come into his presence with boldness okay both this friend in Luke 11 and the widow in Luke 18 were very bold I mean, they, were, they just marched right in there and, and asked what they needed. But listen, in the Luke 11 account, Jesus even said, because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Now, this word boldness, it's the only time in the Bible where it's used. And it's the Greek word, and anadea which means shameless persistence it's not just persistence alone it's much more than just being persistent it's shameless persistence it's like a shameless boldness to their actions and that's what you see in the parable but Jesus is saying that's good that's good when you come into my presence I want you to be so bold you're just acting shameless listen to the word shameless what it means in in webster's behavior marked by a bold defiance of the correct or appropriate behavior and a lack of shame in other words this man is saying i'm going to go bang on that neighbor's door i don't care if i wake up his kids i don't care 
if I wake up all the neighbors, I'm going to bang on his door until he answers me. The widow, you see her doing the same thing. I mean, he, he even said, I'm going to answer her before she attacks me. There's a shamelessness to what they're uh, doing. You know, and oftentimes we feel somewhat presumptuous, don't we, doing that. You know, I even have people that will say, I don't like to go forward for prayer because Oh, people will just think I'm, you know, trying to, you know, be this center of attention or I've gone once and I should. Let me tell you, if you have a need, you go forward for prayer. If you need healing, if you need something from God, press in, be shameless about it. Just say, I'm going to go forward every Sunday if I have to. Uh, Danny, in the uh, Gospel of Wholeness, he talks about, uses this phrase called holy desperation. I love that phrase. There is a holy desperation about this neighbor and about this uh, woman. They are so desperate but there's a holiness to it. It's from God. It's something that God is saying, I like that kind of desperation. I like that kind of shameless boldness, that attitude that they have. Where they'll just shamelessly come into my presence and cry out to me for something that they believe is rightfully theirs. You know, and, and um, just probably, oh, maybe two weeks ago, I had um, a situation where it was just, um, I had to, I, I, I just thought, no, this is not right. It was, something was happening to someone that's very, very dear to me. And I just thought, no, this is not of the Lord. This is not God. And I felt like God just called me. He said, I want you. He spoke to me in no uncertain terms. He said, I want you to pray and fast. Now, as I said, I'm not that great of a prayer, but I'm even worse at fasting. I hate to fast, <laughs> and I live with a man who has all this grace to fast. I mean, Danny can go on these long... He, I've seen him fast several times, 40 days, and drink only water during that time, seeking the Lord. I fast for a day, and I feel like I'm dying, you know? <laughs> and so I don't like it when God said that. And so God spoke to me about it, though, so clearly. And I said, oh, Lord, it's not even the 40 days <laughs> of prayer and fasting, you know? And he said, no, I want you to seek me on this and really come to me. And the Lord really spoke to me out of these passages. But the other passage that God spoke to me really powerfully out of is uh, the story in Second uh, Chronicles 20, the story of Jehoshaphat. It's a great story about prayer and fasting. In fact, Danny taught on it several months ago. But let me just remind you really quickly what the story is. Uh, Jehoshaphat was the king, and he realized that three very powerful nations were coming against Judah and Jerusalem. And uh, they were huge, powerful, powerful nations. And they were basically going to surround Judah and wipe them out, wipe them out, wipe them off the face of the earth. And they were, he knew they were completely, completely helpless against these three powerful armies. And so he tells the people, we're helpless. There's nothing we can do, but we have to look to the Lord. 
and he said, well, let's, let's pray and fast. So he calls this time of prayer and fasting for all of Judah. So they all together prayed and fasted for God to move because they said, we're completely, they kept saying, we're helpless if you don't move, God. You know, totally helpless if you don't move. So they're praying and fasting. In the midst of this prayer and fasting, I love it, God sends a prophet to them to encourage. And many times that's what God does. When we're praying and fasting, God, his voice is turned up and he'll send a prophet to us. He might even speak to us just privately through this time. But listen to what the prophet said. I love it in verse 17 in Second Chronicles. He said, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Now what kind of a battle plan is that? Just go stand and God's going to fight the battle? But you know what? They obeyed God. They went out the next day. They stood, just stood there facing these armies that were coming at them, and they knew that God had commanded them not to fight, not to take weapons. They didn't even take any weapons with them. And listen to what happened in verse 22. It says, as they began to sing and praise, that's all they had. They had nothing else. But as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. I love that. See, they stood there. Can you imagine telling your grandchildren about this? You know, you know, Grandpa, how did you fight those, those bad guys? We sang and we praised. You know, I mean, it's amazing what God did. But what he did, he turned those countries on each other. And they defeated each other. God fought the battle for them as they prayed and fasted and as they worshiped. Okay, now what is it in your life that you're helpless to overcome? Most of us have something. I mean, there's, there's things in this world that we know in our own strength, in our own power, we cannot do anything to change, to make the situation change, to make the person change. And sometimes God is calling us to come before him and say, just like Jehoshaphat, we're helpless. We're helpless before this God. But we ask that you would move, that you would fight this battle. Are you desperate enough to do that? You know, sometimes we need grace to be more desperate, don't we? Sometimes we, we, we have to say, God, will you come and you make me desperate enough that I'll, do, that I'll pray or that I'll fast? You know, we need grace to do that. Sometimes we, and we can't even do that on our own. I found that out. I found that out. But you know what? As I submitted to God a couple of weeks ago, I saw God move in a powerful way, powerful way. I mean, it was amazing what I saw God do. Okay, now let's just move on. Jesus, in um, Luke 11, he turns to the crowd, 
And he says, so I say to you. He turns to them after he's told them this parable. And he says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. You know, this is extremely powerful in the original language. Um, It's in the present imperative tense. Basically, he's saying, I want you to keep on, keep on, keep on asking. I want you to keep on, keep on, keep on seeking. And I want you to keep on, keep on, keep on knocking. That's how it's structured in the actual Greek. The word is just like over and over and over again. I want you to do it that way. He's calling us to press in much more than we ever have. He's calling us to do that. And he says, that's okay. That's important that you learn to pray for that. Now, sometimes when we read something like that, we think, is God just cold and uncaring? And he's sitting up there with his arms folded, sort of like Luke 18, that uncaring judge. No, no, he's not that way at all. In fact, look at the rest of the passage here, verse 11. He said, which of you fathers... If your son asks you for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Again, we move back to that whole concept of fatherhood and relationship. And he's saying, if you come to me asking, seeking, and knocking, I will give. I will give. You know, oftentimes what happens, he promises to give us more of himself. I mean, isn't that amazing? How much more of the Holy Spirit Well, I give you if you ask. He said, I will come to you, and I will fashion your life after my purposes. I will speak to you if you're headed the wrong direction. I'll speak to you if you're praying the wrong direction. You know, it's amazing what happens when we seek, when we set our heart to seek the face of of God. And what ends up happening is that we end up really getting to know him better, right? We end up really pressing in to relationship with him. You know, Jesus, the Son of God, modeled this for us. You know, in Luke 6, over and over again in the Gospels, he does this. But in Luke 6, he goes out the night before he was to pick his 12 disciples, and he goes out and just spends time seeking the Father's heart for who he's to pick for the 12 apostles. I mean, Jesus, the Son of God, went out and and practiced persistent prayer. If he had to do that, don't you think we do? He's calling us. He's calling us to do this. But he's saying, when you go, guys, we're family. We're family. And when you go and you seek me, look to me as your loving Father. 
that desires to give to you, give to you. And even when it doesn't seem like he's giving us anything, even when it doesn't seem like he's the good, loving father, he's the good, loving father. He is good. He promises in his word that he's good. And one day we'll know fully, we'll know fully that he is. All right, you ready to get involved in this? Do I have an amen? <laughs> amen. Okay, let me close with this last verse. Hebrews 4.16. Listen to what, to what we're commanded to do. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That was the whole reason Jesus died on the cross, so that we would have access to the Father. Take advantage of that. Who here doesn't need more mercy, doesn't need more grace? We all do, don't we? All, every single one of us need more mercy and grace. But he says, come to me with boldness, with confidence, and I'll help you in your time of need. Why don't you all stand up? Let's just wait for a moment. The Holy Spirit's just really been here in a powerful way today. Let's just wait and see what he wants to say to us. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. Just increase your presence. Come, Holy Spirit. Just wait a minute. Increase your presence, Lord, more, more. Lord, you said how much more of your Holy Spirit would you give us? We just invite you to come. You are welcomed here. Come, Holy Spirit. Right now, the Holy Spirit is just moving on several of you. There's just a, a filling of the Holy Spirit going on right now in many of you. Just breathe. Breathe that in. More. More. Well, the Holy Spirit's just really resting on many of you. Lord, I ask right now that you would increase that. Increase 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 Lord we ask you for more more 
Uh, some of you actually feel the Holy Spirit. You just sense his presence. Who, who senses the Holy Spirit? Raise your hand. I think God um, has something. He, he, that is his grace right now, his grace that's just coming on you. Just receive it. Receive it more, more. Just open your heart up. Open your hands up. It's what you've been crying out for. There's more, more, more. Let it come. More. There's many of you he's calling into a deeper prayer life right now. There's grace just being released. Just grace and mercy. Just take it. Take it. More, Lord, more. And some of you even feel physical sensations right now. Just, just let it come. That's sometimes the way he touches people. Holy Spirit's just really resting on many of you. Jim, the Holy Spirit's on you. Just receive that. There's an empowering going on. More. Fill him up. More. 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 just a holy move of God right now in the room. It's a sovereign move. Receive more. Give us as much as we can hold, Lord. allowing God to move over you Pam and um, her team they're gonna they're gonna sing but but just allow the Lord to keep ministering to your heart some of you may want to kneel come up and kneel up front as a way of surrender uh, just some of you want to just offer yourself to the Lord over these next 40 days just surrender before him um, as as we're singing so if you want to go ahead before we start there's a gentleman on the back row here in I think it's a navy shirt um, the phrase just keeps going over and over in my spirit from the song Oceans that we sang, um, I am yours and you are mine. And I just feel like the Lord's inviting you to a deeper place of relationship. And so just receive the Holy Spirit's all over you. Mm -hmm. So yeah. just receive what God's doing and don't be afraid of it. But I just feel like he's calling you into a deeper relationship with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In the secret.
I'm going to go ahead and pray uh, just a prayer of blessing over us. Just if you want to, hold your hands out to the Lord. Lord, we thank you for visiting us. And Lord, we pray that you would fill us this week. You would give us grace to do what you've called us to do. And Lord, I pray for grace for prayer. I pray grace and mercy for fasting. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. 
Uh, be careful driving home. Come back next week. And ladies, don't forget to sign up for the women's conference. There's several things, the equipped class and, and the financial peace university, different things to sign up for out in the lobby. Make sure you sign up for all of these things.